Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode. We're going to switch gears a little bit with this episode. We're going to go from language and English to philosophy. And today's episode, we're going to be starting out where most introduction to philosophy courses start, which is with Plato. Um, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle are basically considered the first uh, of the Western philosophers. Not really the first, but the first that we actually have a great deal of their writings that have survived. Uh, we know that there were philosophers before them, and we have bits and pieces of their writing, but not very much. So the first ones we actually get a decent amount of their work surviving is uh, Plato, Socrates, and Aristotle. Today I want to talk about the allegory of the cave, which Plato tells in the Republic. He tells through the voice of Socrates. In the allegory of the cave, uh, Plato talks about how imagine everyone is chained to a wall, uh, chained to the floor facing a wall. And on the wall in front of them are shadows moving back and forth. And the people are chained in such a way that they can't look to the left or to the right. They can only look straight ahead at the wall. And they've been this way their entire life, since birth. So all that they've ever known of reality are these shadows moving back and forth on the wall in front of them. One day, one of the people is able to somehow get free a little bit and is able to look left and right and notice that everyone else is chained uh, and facing the wall the same way they are. Well, some somehow they manage to struggle a little more and get free all the way and stand up and actually finally get to turn around and see what's casting all of the shadows. And they see shapes moving back and forth. And behind these shapes is a fire. And the fire is what is casting the shadows on the wall. So the person starts to get curious and walks towards the shapes, looks at the shapes, looks at the fire, and decides to keep going and see what else there is. So the person walks past the fire and eventually gets to the entrance of the cave. And once they get to the entrance of the cave, they step outside and see reality as it is um, for the first time. No longer they're looking at shadows, now they're looking at trees and birds and uh, the actual nature of things. This person, on seeing this, realizes they should go back and tell everyone else and free everyone else so everyone else can look at reality as well. So they head back down into the cave and start telling people about what they saw. Most of the people are resistant um, because no one likes to have their view of reality challenged. So they try to ignore him. Uh, some of them become angry and actually hostile towards him for trying to challenge their views of things. But there are a small number who are curious and want to come along with him. So he frees the small number and leads them out of the cave. Now for Plato, this was uh, talking about how in life, everyone gets sort of programmed to see a very limited view of the world, a view of the world that doesn't really reflect reality. And for Plato, the way to find reality is through philosophy, through using um, his dialectic and examining things for what they are so you can find the truth underneath. Now Plato was living in a time of a lot of turmoil. He had 
um, not lived at the peak of Athens. He had lived in as Athens was kind of becoming degenerate and falling apart. And one of the problems he had with Athens was that his teacher, Socrates, was actually put to death for his teachings. And Plato looked around at the reality of his time and saw everything as changing and degenerate. And he was looking for something that was unchanging and permanent. And this is something you see a lot whenever people deal with change. They always want to move towards something that they can hold on to. Uh, change and instability are not comfortable for humans. Humans like to have a sense of things being permanent, things having um, some solidity. And so Plato starts to analyze with his philosophy and starts to come up with what he sees as the things that are permanent. And for Plato, that becomes the world of forms. Um, since change is degeneration in his mind, he was, see he was seeking a world where everything was uh, permanent and unchanging and therefore perfect. And in his world of forms, this is where he comes up with this. So everything we have in this world is simply a cheap reflection of that world of forms. The chair you have will break down and decay eventually because it's only a cheap version of the idea of the chair, the, the chair in the world of forms that is unchanging and permanent and will never fall apart. Uh, the same thing with everything else in the world. It's an imperfect representation of that perfect world. And it's through looking at this perfect world that Plato, through his Republic, tries to come up with the perfect society. Now, this allegory is often used for people studying philosophy in general because philosophy always does make you break away from the way you've been taught to see things. Sometimes you break away and then come back and readopt the ways you were taught. And sometimes you break away and come up with new ways that you see work better. The important thing is in challenging the view that's been put in front of you. The view that's been put in front of you is a very narrow view for everyone. In the modern world, this view is often put in front of us not only by family and culture and society, but in a large, to a large extent, our reality is put in front of us by the media, different media, movies, television, radio, um, social networking. All of these things present a view of reality. And they tend to present a, a view of reality that is from a philosophical perspective. People think that when they view something, even if it's simple fluff fiction, that it's not conveying any serious message. But everything you take in conveys some kind of message. Think about television shows and movies. You know, think about what kind of people end up happy, what kind of people end up being villainized. And when you start to see that, you'll start to see patterns. And this is basically a philosophy that may not be put forth consciously by the people putting out the material. It may have been something that they just internalized and are re-representing these things without paying too much attention, but it's still putting forth a philosophy. 
this is the ideal. This is what you should look like. This is what you should act like. This is what you should say. This is what you should do if you want to end up being happy and being the good guy. These are the things that you do and look like and act like if you want to end up being the villain. And so all of these things put forth messages, messages that are not direct discussions, but messages that are still internalized. The more you see these things reinforced, the more they seem like that's just the way things are. And when you come to this, you realize that we are like Plato's characters, chained to the floor looking at the images on the wall. Now our images are on electronic screens or around us, but they're still putting forth what we think of as just the way things are. It's not until you actually start to look at them and step back a little bit before you can realize that maybe this isn't the way things are. Maybe this is just the way things have been represented and we've made assumptions. Uh, when you start to look at things closely, you realize there's a lot less solid foundation underneath them. And it's more people have just accepted these things on blind faith. One of the things that we'll be doing through these broadcasts is to start looking at some of these things and start asking some of the questions about them. We'll start looking at the way life is and how much of that has to be and how much of that is just what we've been duped into believing. So these lessons, both in English and philosophy, will be kind of geared towards taking a different view of the way the world is and taking lots of different views. Uh, my intention here is not to bring everyone to be miniature versions of me and believe everything that I believe, but to open up new doors. With the things that we talk about here, the things that I talk about on my website, these are little invitations. I never intend these to be the end-all and be-all of any subject that we discuss. As we discuss things and you take an interest in them, my advice to you is to look into them more deeply. You know, for people who just want a little bit of a peek at other ways of looking at things and other ways of thinking about things, um, then, you know, the lectures may suffice. But for those of you that say, I really want to dig into this and find out more about it, I strongly encourage it. And I also encourage you to be skeptical of ever taking all of your information from one source. That is not something you should ever do, whether that source is me, whether that source is anything else. Every single source comes from a perspective. Every single source has a bias. Your job as a thinker and as a seeker in the world is to look at as many different perspectives as you can and ask yourself, how much of this is solid? How much of this is built on nothing? How much of this is flat out a lie? Always be skeptical, always keep looking, and always keep looking for better ways of seeing things. If you do this, it will make you someone who is not easily duped. It will make you someone who is able to look at the world, look at different perspectives, pick out the good parts of different perspectives, and combine those into something that is an even better perspective. 
if all of us are doing this and challenging each other and looking at the world from different perspectives, adding our perspectives and doing it in a way that is civilized and instead of just what we have today, which is polarization and name calling, uh, you have one side calling the other side stupid, the other that side calling the first side stupid. This is non-productive and it will never get us anywhere. What we need is to step back from the emotion of arguments and step back from things and look at what are they based on. We also need to step back and realize that we've been duped into a little bit of an either-or fallacy. The either-or fallacy says it's either A or B. This is an oversimplification of the way that the world really is. The world is never an either-or proposition for the most part. For the most part, there are hundreds of possibilities, but if you're limited to think there are only two possibilities, you've closed your mind off to most of the others. Um, so one of the things that also needs to happen is that as you look at side A and side B and look at the strengths and weaknesses of both, start realizing that there's also a side C and D and E and thousands of other ways that this could be done. We've been limited to see the world as just the shapes that are in front of us and those shapes are all that exist. In reality, there are a lot more choices, there are a lot more shapes that exist, and there's a lot more to the real world. I look forward to talking to you again next time. My, my next lecture will be on uh, history again in English. This time it will be on the history of literature. Um, I will be sticking mainly to American and British literature, not because I feel those are the greatest literatures, but because those are my areas of specialty. As with anything else, um, you, will, you should always look at all of the literatures because all of them are full of wondrous uh, works. But my specialty, I don't want to delve too far outside of that, so I will be sticking to British and American literature. I look forward to talking to you again. I will see you next time.